Good day, friends, and welcome to this week's podcast in depth with Beth and Seth, your favorite podcast from Plymouth Church in Minneapolis. My name is Seth Patterson, and I am your minister for spiritual formation and theater, and it is my joy, honor, and I'm very grateful to be here with my friend and colleague, Beth Hoffman Faith. Hello, Beth. My goodness. Thank you for all those lovely accolades. Uh, mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. name is Beth Hoffman Faith. It and is. I am <laughs> the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship at Plymouth Congregational Church. And I'm glad to see you, Seth. It feels like it's been a while. We haven't, I haven't laid eyes on you now for, well, just short of a week, I guess. Right? Yeah. We had part of the last week off for the Thanksgiving holiday, which was lovely. I really like this day of gratitude. It was really nice. And then I was there yesterday on Sunday, but you were not. This was your week of making sure you're not there in case we have to quarantine back up. <laughs> That's right. In our rotation, this is the first time I haven't been there on a Sunday morning since we began the two out of three clergy rule. And it was interesting not to be there. I missed you all. Um, it's part of the rhythm and routine of my life too, and the ritual to, to attend and be a part of worship on Sunday morning. So yeah, there's both something somewhat liberating about not having to be there because it, it feels sort of transgressive, like, ooh, I'm not there on a Sunday. But then I find myself just thinking about it enough that it's not really a way. Right. We're still there. We kind of tuned in. And then I, of course, went in to participate in Sundays at 5 last evening, uh, which is just a really lovely service, a great way to end or begin a week, however one might might think of that. That contemplative service is very meaningful on Sunday evenings. So I and was at Plymouth yesterday, just not at the same time that you were. Sad. No, we, we're not allowed to be. That's right. And yesterday was, even though it's November, which I find to f- feel sort of strange, it's still November, yet it was the first Sunday of Advent. So blessed Advent to you. Is there a, is there a better greeting of Advent? You can't marry yeah. Advent, happy Advent. Blessed what do you say? Blessed Advent? I like that. I know that throughout the years, the churches that I've served and maybe progressive churches in general have worked hard to sort of reclaim Advent as a time, as Duane even says in his sermon, it's not Christmas yet. Too early right. to say Merry Christmas. <laughs> right. And to be really thoughtful about these weeks that precede Christmas, uh, this Advent time. I, uh, Advent is uh, both a very tender season for me and a meaningful one for both personal and professional reasons. And so I, I think of this as a, as a gift of time. We talk a lot about the season of Lent in terms of taking on intentions and well, some people give things up or whatever, but Advent is also a gift of time when we are kind of invited to think about what it means. What does Christmas mean for us? What is this words like birth and hope and peace and love and joy and all those really important tenets of this time? How are they showing up for us? How can we use these times, to, this time that we have been given to lift our spirit and think a little bit more creatively, I guess? Yeah, what, what happens to one when they when we sit in expectation mm. and we don't already get to? And that's why we, as you were saying, we tried, we don't say Merry Christmas until we're there mm-hmm. because we're not there yet. We know it's coming, but there there's a there's a practice of expectation, of waiting, of of being pregnant, holding the pregnancy of of time. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but we're all holding it and then we will celebrate a birth together. But we're not there yet. The birth has not happened. 
but there are lots of things that one needs to do in order to give birth. So like buy a Christmas tree, (laughs) go shopping, like those kinds of things. Is that what you're talking about? I do believe that that's part of it. You know, whatever you do in your home, the rituals that you've created to prepare for that time. But I think we can certainly go deeper and be a little bit more spirit filled. I know that one of the things that I do during Advent that I don't really do the rest of the year is I take my dog for a nightly walk. Now I walk my dog throughout the year, but I'm very intentional during Advent to do it at night because I love to look at the lights. It's all about the lights for me, but it has become my, my Advent ritual. And it's something I really look forward to. Well, it makes it easier when nighttime starts at four. (laughs) That is true. true. It gives gives me a lot of space in that evening to to do that. If anything, it would be hard to avoid night in December. That's a lovely, it's a lovely exercise. And And earlier you mentioned uh, some words, you hope, peace, joy, and love. Say more about those. And then that is a good segue into the sermon from yesterday. Indeed. If people are paying attention, then notice that every Sunday in Advent, we light an Advent candle. Many people have Advent wreaths and Advent candles in their home. And I think most people have an awareness that there is a a word assigned to each week, hope, peace, joy, love. Some churches mix those up a little bit, but Plymouth has settled into these four in this particular order because again, they seem to be the touchstones of the season and they allow for us to really kind of explore and to resonate with these words. We certainly hear the rest of the year, but what does it mean in this expectant season? What does hope look like? How do we witness that peace, joy, love, particularly in this season of waiting and expectation, looking towards what is to come? Well explained, Pastor. Well, thank you. Well, we began this exercise, this adventure, this time of discovery yesterday with our colleague Dwayne preaching a sermon uh, the first Sunday of Advent called Discovering Hope in Unlikely Places, using Luke 21, 25 through 36 as the scripture. And right there in the title, we find hope. And he really centers on hope throughout the whole sermon, which was a great way to begin. And, and our theme, we should mention, is called illumination. What is it? <laughs> illumination. Colon. An Advent Journey of Discovery. That's what it is. Illumination. An Advent Journey of Discovery. And so Dwayne lifted up our first Sunday of Advent, Hope, and really lived into the, the concept of discovery. I appreciated where Dwayne began in the sermon. He lifted up the song that many of us know. We, we actually sang it for a full month uh, this summer in, in the tent service, Lift Every Voice and Sing. And they apparently sang it at the interfaith Thanksgiving service on Thursday that Dwayne participated in. It seemed to have particular meaning to him in that setting and in that time. It's a song written in 1900, Dwayne explains, right after the formal start of the Jim Crow segregation and oppression era. And there is a particular line that really settled on Dwayne's heart. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us, that the present has brought us. Yeah. Interesting to be able to sing that line when there's little hope to be found in a present, you know, in the present. And he used that as a way to lead into 
this time that we've been living through, this time of pandemic, the time um, of racial reckoning following the murder of George Floyd, the ongoing sort of dilemmas of having to reframe and rechange how we've done everything while also living in sort of an abiding sense of, of fear, of becoming sick, of watching people die. This has been not a time particularly filled with hope. And I think Duane Not has, easy hope. No, correct. We are and not I, handed hope. Hope is not brought to us and said, look, take this. We've had to manufacture it. We've had to dig deep and find it. Maybe that's exactly what we're supposed to do. I resonated with this line. Now, I didn't see Duane preach this sermon, but I listened to it and I've read his manuscript. And it's this line. It looked like the world was coming apart at the seams that what was familiar and comfortable was giving way to the unknown and the uncertain. Absolutely. I mean, isn't that how we've been sort of feeling kind of on the edge of all this change and, and discontent and unknown of what the future hold? We've been calling this a sort of a liminal season because what was is no longer and we're not sure what's coming next. But I think that's exactly what we need in order to create hope-filled change. I mean, to me, we needed this unsettling of the world and this shaking up of our senses and everything we were taking for granted in order for us to reframe that which really matters. And for me, it's that which really matters, that that peace out there, that's what hope is. Oh. Hope is trusting. For me, hope is trusting that what is right now will not always be that there's always possibilities for things to, to reshape and reframe. And when you're sitting in a land of despair and an aura of grief, to trust that what you're feeling right in that moment will not always be how you feel, that's hope. Yeah. It reminds me, uh, Don McKenzie, retired UCC minister and Plymouth member, often says to me, what is the opportunity in this problem? And he got that from a mentor of his. Mm. And I think about that when it comes to hope. What is the opportunity in this problem. What can be come out of the cracks here? It also reminds me of Anne Lamott tells a story in one of her books, and I, I don't remember the context, but somebody encounters somebody on a train who works for the Dalai Lama, and they're talking about things. And this person on the train says back, sometimes when it feels like everything is happening all at once and it's all chaos, it's because there's something really big and beautiful waiting to be born, and it needs the space to show up. I'm paraphrasing, but that's hope. That, that is hope. Mm -hmm. And that and that's what we often in our faith, in Plymouth's version of Christianity, we we often forget about a part of the cycle of there's life, there's death, and there's rebirth. We 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 get uncomfortable with Easter. Mm. And I'm not talking about a bodily resurrection, but I am talking about that after death, something else shows back up. There is, and that is hopeful. Mm-hmm. There's hope in that. We might not know what it is. We might not know even what we're hopeful for, but we know that it, it will come. We trust. And that is where the promise of God is. Not that it's that death is not the end, that there is a rebirth that can come out of it, that can come later. Yeah. Well said. Well said. I think that the challenging piece about Dwayne's sermon is that he was preaching from an apocalyptic text. And yeah. that is a not something we do much at Plymouth or, you know, we don't, we don't think about the end times, but there are certainly plenty of these texts in scripture and we need to sort of make sense of them as 
progressive Christians, even if we don't think they're terribly applicable. And one one person in, when we were doing the Command to Preach series said, I think I'm just going to put in the suggestion of revelations and the question <laughs> of what do progressive Christians do with this book? And I really hope if they do, I don't get that. That's a good Dwayne one. Yeah, I think, we'll, yes, we indeed, because we are returning to command to preach after the first of the year. We're taking this Advent break uh, and exploring some new understandings. And so I, you know, again, I think Dwayne sort of tackled this, this apocalyptic scripture in a way that would be new for some Plymouth folk to hear, and yet being able to root it in, again, what is now will not always be. And it's not that we're trying to get in good with God. So when the rapture comes, we'll, you know, we'll be the first in line. It's, it's right. more like, how can we all participate in, in creating that, which we hope. For? I think to me, that's, you know, and, and for Dwayne, it appears to be in the sermon, this continual turning towards God, this yeah. or returning to God. And trust it and trusting not just turning towards, but trusting that that is what's happening. We just have to pay attention to it. Like it's there. God right. is here. God right. is already in, in all of this. We just have to stop turning away from it. And recognizing that. And then, and remember that we're not in this alone, that God, God is an essential part of our equation in terms of a, a full joy filled, love filled life. And that we, we just need to to remind ourselves of that. The words of apocalyptic texts may not speak to us, but that doesn't mean God doesn't exist within the words. And that isn't a calling of us to remember, as Duane puts it, that God is faithful and that God continues to promise something new. And, and so he writes, we stand up and raise our heads for surely God and God's faithfulness will do something. God is still an active part of the process of whatever it is we're trying to create or whatever we're moving toward, that God is an active participant in that. That's hope. Well That's said. Hopeful. Indeed. Thank you all for joining us once again for this first Sunday of Advent, and we look forward to more conversations with you. We'd like to hear from you if you ever have thoughts, questions, perceptions, or wonderings as we continue doing this throughout Advent, and then back in January to our Command to Preach series. Thank you for being with us. Have a wonderful week. I am grateful for you. A blessed Advent to you all.